Hello, this is just in Japan on a bike. And I thought I would tell you about the second bike that I owned. Uh, but just a brief update on the new bike, that's the Jixus 1000F. The, uh, I've done over 900 kilometers now. I went out for a very long ride on Saturday. Uh, got up early. Um, and uh, you can see a video on my YouTube channel about the the usual place in the mountains that I go to. But I went further than that. I stopped off there, took uh, took a video, uh, recorded a video, uploaded it to YouTube later when I got home, by the way. So it's up there now. Went off to the lakes around Mount Fuji. I quite often go to Lake Yamanaka. But um, I rode past Lake Yamanaka, which is the nearest lake in terms of distance to me. Uh, although none of them are that near. But uh, I decided to uh, go on to another lake, which is called Kawaguchi. Lake Kawaguchi. And um, traffic was... but The traffic was horrendous. Between Lake Yamanaka and Lake Kawaguchi, the traffic was really bad. And... Uh, Luckily, the roads are wide enough in most places to pass the queuing traffic. Um, I'm quite surprised in Japan to see so many motorbikes stuck in the traffic, not willing to pass the traffic, um, even when it's safe to do so. That's quite an interesting one. Uh, certainly, it's bad enough sitting in a car in traffic but sitting on a motorbike in traffic is surely much worse than sitting in a car. So, uh, yeah, not, not everybody does it, but quite a few bikes, quite a few bikers sit in traffic rather than pass when it's, even when it's perfectly safe to do so. Anyway, so uh, I didn't take a video at the, I didn't record a video at Lake Kawaguchi. Uh, I, I took some photos, but... Um, uh, yeah, no video. I might go back and do that. Uh, another update is that I've got a camera. I bought bought uh, like a, a GoPro style camera to record some videos while I'm riding to do some action video. Yeah, I know nothing new. Everybody's doing it, but um, I have actually been asked by people, why don't I do it? So uh, yeah, I bought one. It isn't GoPro. It's uh, a cheap copy. Um, I haven't even unboxed it yet, so I'll, uh, I need to take it out of the box, have a look at it, and uh, figure it all out. So those will be coming for the YouTube. Of course, this is audio only because it's a podcast. So, um, yeah, well, just another thing, as I said, because uh, I was out for a long ride, I actually rode, I clocked up quite a few kilometres, and um, I'm keen to reach the 1,000-kilometre mark for the run-in period so I can then explore the 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 potential of the bike you know the because um, under 5000 rpm not much happens rather interestingly when i was at one point pulling away pulling pulling out of a junction or pulling away i needed to pull away quite quickly and uh, as i pulled away I accelerated quite hard. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the RPM went up to, but it wasn't that high. It was possibly around 7,000 or slightly more, but it was only briefly. And um, 
I actually had the traction control on level 2. So just to remind you there are four levels. Uh, there's off, uh, level 1 which is the mildest setting, level 2 which of course is the medium setting and level 3 which is the strong setting for rain. I had it on level 2 because there were had been some light showers, it had been raining in the night, we're quite high up in the mountains, the the uh, road was was damp and um, it was there were wet patches in places. However, um, I uh, I want I realised that you can't set the traction control above forty kilometres per hour. You can set it while you're riding below forty kilometres per hour, which is about twenty four miles per hour. But you can't set the traction control above forty kilometres per hour. You have to slow down or stop. So I think because I'd been riding, I could have actually probably set it back to one, and I did. When I, know, when I remembered, I set it back to level one, which I leave it on most of the time if the conditions are fine. As I pulled away, as I said, I accelerated quite hard, and um, the traction control is supposed to stop wheelies, but I did feel the front wheel lift off the ground. Not a whole lot. I mean, it's only like... I get. I didn't. Obviously, I couldn't see exactly how many centimeters. Uh, when you're sitting on the bike riding it, you can't see exactly uh, how many centimeters your front wheel lifts off the ground. Uh, and but you can only guess. So I would guess somewhere around maybe between ten and twenty centimeters. That was a, on traction control level two. That surprised me because I was under the impression that the Traction control was also supposed to stop doing wheelies. So uh, whether or not the traction control just stops the bike doing big wheelies or it still allows you... To, I mean, I wasn't intentionally trying to lift the front wheel off the ground. I just accelerated hard. And the front wheel lifted off the ground as I changed from second to third... Um, sorry, from first to second and then second to third... Uh, I don't know what speed or, as I said, I was when you, when you accelerate hard, you focus on the road. I was not going to look down at the dash. And it was only a brief stint because I wasn't looking to ride hard. I just pulled out of a junction. There was, there was really heavy traffic and I just there was a, a small gap in the traffic and I just wanted to get away before the next car came along. So I just pulled away quite hard. Quite surprised. Um, I would say it didn't in any way... Uh, Bother. It wasn't unnerving or anything. It didn't like lift right up and do anything dangerous. But it just showed me what the potential of the bike is because the bike is, you know, very powerful. Um, I wasn't taking the revs really high, um, still keeping them quite low. Um, but it just shows you that the bike has got a lot of potential and it is um, a rather powerful machine. So, uh, another thing to note was when I did my longest stint on the bike, because on, I didn't ride continuously, I got off sometimes and um, uh, stopped at a few places, but when I decided to head back, um, I rode continuously for, I can't remember now, um, but continuously for a uh, a long stint and I did notice that after a while after a lot of riding that I had um, 
my, my left leg, especially around the knee area, was starting to become uncomfortable, very mild pain. So that suggests to me that um, the, the riding position, which I thought was good, as I mentioned in the video, I thought the riding position was very good. Um, it clearly is not great for very uh, for long distances and not you know for for being on the bike a long time. So that's an interesting one. Uh, I didn't feel any problem with my upper body, um, but yeah, my just my my right knee. And um, uh, interestingly, I had experienced a little bit of cramp in my right foot um, before that had happened, but that seemed to go away when I was sort of moving my foot around and trying to find a more comfortable position on the foot peg. Um, so yeah, something to think about. Uh, I should say for the record that my inside leg measurement is 33 inches. So uh, something to think about if you have got long legs, um, I would say that this bike is not for you. Um, and if you are a particularly tall person, uh, again, this bike is not for you. Um, I think that, well, uh, I don't know, I don't think anybody with, my, as I said, my inside leg measurement is 33 inches. I think, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I can't remember what that is in centimetres. I think it's 82 centimetres. Um, I could be, just going from memory, I think it's 82 centimetres. You can calculate that, 33 inches. You just multiply it by 2.5 and you'll get the centimetres. Um, so I think if your inside leg, and that's your inside leg measurement, yeah, the, 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 the measurement you use when you buy trousers, jeans, whatever, um, leg wear, you know. But uh, I think that if your legs are longer than that, you may want to consider a bike with um, more leg room, you know, a, diff a bike with different peg position or a higher seat. I found the seat, I mean, regarding the seat, it, it's, um, I don't know whether the Japanese version, because I live in Japan, I don't know whether the Japanese version's got a lower seat, because generally speaking, um, Jap Japanese people's legs are shorter than, say, people from countries like Britain, where I'm from. Um, it's a general rule, not everybody, um, and, uh, Generally speaking, the if they can, the Japanese bike models, the the, the JDM, the Japanese domestic market um, bikes, or Japanese domestic model. I'm not sure if the M stands for market or model. I've forgotten now. But the Japanese domestic models, anyway, they have, uh, if if possible, they have shorter seats, uh, lower seats. I've, I've noticed, um, but depends on the bike. Some bike designs do not allow for that. Some bike designs do even have adjustable seats, and some bike designs are able to have different seat heights, uh, even if it isn't adjustable. They might come with um, options for that. But um, I find that the seat position, it is a little bit low, but I wouldn't say it's a problem. Um, both my feet are flat on the ground and my knees are slightly bent. So that just tells you that, uh, yeah, it's um, the seat is slightly low. I, I don't know, it might be considered medium where I come from, but it's a medium to low. Um, it isn't very low like a cruiser or something like that. It's nothing like that. Um, but 
and uh, there we are, something to think about. Um, so the yeah, I clocked up. Um, uh, well, I, I don't know how many kilometres I did on Saturday, but I'm now the 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 uh, the uh, bike has now done more than nine hundred kilometres. So that's good. Um, and the weather's getting a bit better. It's more autumnal at the moment, which is good. Um, uh, having said that, the sun is slightly lower in the sky. And, um, of course, when you go up into the mountains, um, the wind tends to be a bit cold. Um, not an issue. Well, the bike is officially the fared version. It's the, the F version. But, uh, interestingly, I find that the... Um, wind protection is quite minimal um, it's certainly minimal fairing so the, the 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 price difference between the unfaired version and the faired version was really rather small not much difference at all and um, I think one reason for that is because the fairing is rather minimal and as I mentioned before the screen is um, well it doesn't do much Anyway, um, not really complaining. I, I just sort of giving information, really. Um, I mean, of course, the bike's fantastic. Handling, as I keep saying, the handling is absolutely amazing. Really, really good. The performance is obviously good. Uh, I'm getting the fuel economy. Well, when I checked it last, I, I, I've got it set on the tank range, so I don't have it set to... The, the, the dash you, uh, has adjustments. You can set the adjusts things like um, what it shows you so, but there's like uh, a button that you can uh, you can decide whether you want to show the tank range you can sh change that to the average kilometers per liter or you can change it to your your live your real-time kilometers per liter uh, I've never really seen the point of having kilometres per litre real-time because I think that's, if if you're watching that, you're not, you're not watching the road and it's dangerous, whatever vehicle you, you're riding or driving. Um, and I just see that as a pointless thing, really. Um, so um, the average kilometres per litre is an interesting one. Uh, I'd pref I prefer to keep the tank range showing. Um, that's especially on a motorbike. Um, I think that's quite an, an important thing for me to know. Uh, oh, you can have nothing on display, I, th I think. Or can you? No, maybe I've got that wrong. No, maybe you can't do that. My car allows for that. My car allows me to have nothing um, displayed regarding... When you, to when you toggle through the options for what you want displayed, some things are permanently displayed, of course, but... Um, yeah, I think in the, the case, case of this bike, you have to choose what you want displayed. So, yeah, um, it was, when I checked it a couple of weeks back, it was showing over 19 kilometres per litre, which I calculated to be over 50 miles per gallon. And then when I checked it on Saturday, it was showing 18.1 kilometres per litre, which... Well, that's obviously less than 50 miles to the gallon now. I haven't calculated what that is. I just remember calculating it a couple of weeks back. Still very economical. Um, I haven't been riding hard and fast, so I 
will assume that as soon as I start riding it more sportily, those figures will drop uh, without a doubt. But um, I certainly can't complain about those numbers at the moment. Uh, so as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I was going to tell you about uh, the second bike I bought. Now the second bike I bought was a Yamaha XS400 um, Special. I, I think it's called a Special or a Custom. Do you know, I've forgotten whether it was called a Special or a Custom. I think it's called a Special. And the, uh, the bike was a parallel twin, um, unashamedly based on old British bikes, because at the time... Uh, the the bike year I'm trying to think I think it was a seventy nine model. Um, I bought it in um, nineteen ninety. It was either ninety three or ninety four. I forget now. And um, I had already sold my first bike, which you can listen to in another podcast. I'd already sold that. I went a while without a bike. Um, having said that, I did live in Spain for six months. And when I was down in Spain, I was riding around on a moped. Um, this is a true moped because it had pedals and you have to pedal it to start the engine. So I won't go into details about that. But I, um, So that was on loan. Somebody lent me that on a long-term loan. And um, I used to ride around on that in Spain. Um, but when, yeah, when I got back to London, I went through the small ads and uh, in the because at that time we didn't look things up on the internet and um, I bought this uh, this ads paper it's just full of ads uh, small ads called loot l o o t don't know if it's still going and um, I I looked for I used to buy motorcycle news as well but at the time loot was the best one in certainly in the London area if you wanted to buy something used um, you want to you know look for a bargain so I was uh, going through all the small ads for a motorbike and I found um, I found something was I was basically looking for something very cheap and I found this Yamaha XS400 special and um, it was not it wasn't anywhere near where I lived um, I lived in at that time I was living in South East London this was in South West London and if you take public transport to go to, 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 to South West London from South East London certainly in those days there was no way you, you had to go into the centre and back out the centre of London so I had to do that I seem to remember I went by um, Tube that's the underground train system by London Transport public transport um, don't remember that exactly now, um, but I bought it from a guy uh, down in southwest London, and um, uh, don't, again I don't remember the details of um, the the day and the going down there to get it. But anyway, the fact is I got this bike. What the reason I chose it was basically it was so cheap. I'd already had a Yamaha. Um, not the the moped in Spain was not a Yamaha. It was a Spanish brand, and I forget what it was now. But um, as I told you, my first motorbike was uh, a Yamaha. This was my second motorbike that I owned, and it was another Yamaha. I I hadn't intentionally done that, but it's interesting that when you 
get on another bike from the same era, it does feel rather familiar, I should say. I, uh, I, I say it was a 1979 model. I could be wrong on that, by the way. Um, but it was certainly around that era, and um, it wouldn't have been a very new bike. It could have been an early 80s model, um, but, you know, the XS400 is old school. So it's chain-driven, as I said, a parallel twin, uh, twin carburettors. Um, and um, what else can I tell you? Well, it's just very, very standard motorbike, very classic looking. One thing I'll say about it that was that the handlebars, because it was the special version, the handlebars were a little bit different. They were a little bit slightly higher and slightly swept back uh, in a sort of very kind of pseudo um, American style custom cruiser, you know, that sort of um, a little bit like that. Um, but the it was actually a very comfortable bike to ride, and um, I was just pleased to be back on a motorbike. Very reliable bike. Uh, it only ever had one problem when the clutch cable snapped, which you can't uh, fault the bike for that. That's just one of those things that happens. Um, Cables do snap. Uh, the clutch cable snapped on me once, um, and I, um, I, talking to some colleagues, um, somebody recommended a guy who fixed bikes basically at his house uh, in some residential area and uh, went over to see him. Uh, very, very nice guy and um, didn't charge me much. Invited me in, um, had a big pile of cannabis resin on his kitchen table. Uh, he looked like he was. He and his friends were always stoned. They were uh, always playing, because um, I went around there more than once, they were always playing heavy metal and um, always stoned. And they had this constant stream of bikers going back and forth. Uh, those were the days. Um, uh, when I say this big pile of cannabis resin, I mean, I'm not joking. It was um, it was about the size, if I try to put it into something you can identify with, it was about the size of, say, a microwave oven. So if you imagine the size of a microwave oven, but it's actually a, a pile of cannabis resin, it was quite a, quite a sight. <laughs> it was quite, quite an amazing thing to see. I'll never forget it. Um, but uh, anyway, people... Um, he, he fixed my bike for me the bike, the house by the way that he lived in um, it had motorbike parts and tools just scattered throughout the house it was quite an incredible sight uh, real character but uh, anyway um, but even though the clutch cable had snapped of course um, that didn't there are ways that you can still, I actually pushed the bike um, I pushed it home but um, I was a bit naive at the time, um, and um, well, ignorant as well. I was uh, naive, yes, but I was I was a bit ignorant, and I was talking to people, and then they told me how to ride the bike without a clutch, which is possible. So I was able to ride the bike without a clutch. Uh, I think what it is, I pushed it up up a hill. And then I started a freewheel and start the in I started the engine because you can still start the engine uh, with the bike in neutral and you can still select the gears um, to a, you can you sort of force them into gear. So 
I think I, st I did a rolling start down a hill and then I selected a gear. I forget, it was second gear, I think. And somehow I limped the bike over to this guy's house uh, without a clutch cable. So, um, yeah, that was good. Uh, but generally, yeah, the bike was old school um, and did me very well. It was, I mean, it was no fairing or anything like that. It was a kind of that old classic Yamaha um, sort of reddish brown, maroonish reddish sort of colour. Uh, with plenty of chrome um, and I I didn't see many bikes like that um, so I don't know yeah it, as I said I think I said it was chain driven uh, air cooled and um, yeah very old school it's probably collectible now wouldn't be surprised if it's collectible I had it for a while and indeed the uh, the only reason uh, I got rid of it well I got uh, in an accident, somebody, uh, a cager, uh, that's, a cager is what we call a car driver, a cager, that, that's motorbike slang for car drivers, they're called cagers, a cager did a U-turn in front of me, and um, suddenly, without warning, and I was um, knocked off uh, in the middle of London, in the rush hour, uh, maybe I'll tell you more about that another time and uh, the bike was damaged um, but the engine was still going it just got a bit bent um, the bike and um, it was off the road for a while um, and uh, I was waiting for insurance money and one day I finally um, got rid of the bike I gave it to I didn't bother to fix it I got the insurance money for it didn't bother to fix it uh, but I gave it to a colleague. I just said to him, you can have it for free. Uh, so he took it off my hands. Um, I bought a new bike, a bit, something bigger and better, which is my third motorbike, which I'm going to tell you about in another podcast. But uh, just um, just to let you know that that Yamaha XS400 was um, sitting outside my... Um, where I was, uh, well, I, I, for a while I was living temporarily at my mother's place, um, and she and her husband were living in Spain, and um, I was uh, living in their flat in southeast London, and it was parked in the backyard, and the bike outside, not not covered or anything, open to all the elements, and it ended up being unused. For two years, so for two years he sat outside in the back garden unused, and I didn't even start it once. And then one day they said to me, "I need to get rid of it," and um, I finally decided to give it to this colleague of mine. And what I did was, um, I uh, we we had a mutual uh, associate, a mutual colleague. Um, who we this guy we knew who had a, a truck it was his job he was a truck um, like a small not a big truck but just it was big enough you could fit you could probably fit about several bikes on the back of it not one of these really huge um, articulated things but I don't know what it was maybe a 10 ton truck and um, 
we arranged for this guy to help. We asked him to help, and he was he was going to go there, collect my bike. I was going to be there to help him put the bike on the back of the truck. He was going to drive it over to North West London. Uh, it's the West London, not it's West London from South East, quite quite a way. And uh, what we did was, um, I thought I I better. I, I was just curious. I suppose I should try to start the bike. It'd be easier if the engine was running. If we could get it up the ramp on the back of the truck. Now I went to have a look at the bike before the day of collection and I'd calculated that it was like two years two years minus one day it was like two years and almost to the day all but one day two years that the bike had not been started now people say that the petrol goes off the fuel you know that the that goes off and you wouldn't be able to use the bike and um, of course the battery would be dead so, um, well, the battery was dead. Um, it did have a kickstart, I think, that bike. But uh, the battery was dead. So I charged the battery overnight. And um, I put the battery back on the bike. And then um, I started, I, I started, it had a start button, even though it had a kickstart. I think it had a I'm I'm struggling here because I can't remember, but um, I can't remember whether it, had a, it was kickstart only or it had a start button. But basically, to cut a long story short, the bike started on the third try. Whether it was a kick or a push button, it started on the third try, and uh, the engine was ticking over fine. It was a little bit lumpy for like a few seconds or maybe a minute, and then it was fine. So. You know, that is something else. I mean, two years, even the fuel was still okay. I don't know, it probably wasn't okay if you'd ridden it, but the fuel was still good enough to allow the bike to start and tick over. Um, quite unbelievable. And I have to say, you, 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 cannot, uh, you cannot but be in awe at that kind of uh, engineering and reliability. Um, totally amazing. Uh, the bike was not uh, able to be ridden, of course, because it had been in an accident and it was damaged. Um, although it was repairable, definitely, but the insurance company had written it off, as they often do write these bikes off or vehicles off, if they consider it unworthy of repair. It's just not worth the money to them because it's to them it has no value. They'd rather just pay out. You know, I didn't get much money by the way I don't feel that I got enough money um, but uh, that's another story I won't go into it but I was able to buy another bike which I'll talk about in another podcast this is just in Japan on a bike <laughs>